0: Hello everyone, I am Susan Chirara, host of the Amplify series and today we've got a great and timely topic for you. I've invited my good friend Janan Nazardine who's both a certified youth um, counsellor and a certified mental health first aid instructor. And I reached out to Janan because obviously right now with the coronavirus crisis, um, there are a lot of people struggling right now. Um, There's a lot of anxiety, there's a lot of fear. There's a lot of worry. Uh, I know within my own circle, I have uh, friends who are mothers who are working mothers and all of a sudden they find themselves working at home, um, having to homeschool, feeling overwhelmed. Um, With my clients who are all entrepreneurs, they are very worried about their businesses right now, what their businesses are gonna look like on the other side of this pandemic and whether they'll still be operating. And so I wanted to have Janan out today to talk about uh, mental health talk about address you know um what we're all feeling and really there is three key things uh i wanted us to take away from this episode number one whatever you're feeling it's okay to not be okay Uh, number two just to and this is probably the most important of the three uh to not struggle in silence um to reach out know when to reach out to who to reach out to but more but reach out regardless. Um, One of the things that Janan had said to me in previous conversations and you know had said over and over again is silence is what keeps us sick. So we really want to encourage your viewers to not struggle in silence. And then third, really just provide you with some coping strategies and some tools to help you get through this difficult period. Uh, Some of the strategies that we share are probably similar to what you've heard that's out there. Some of them are different but they're all worth reiterating. Um, We just want you to be able to just you know take one or two things that you can apply into your daily life and to either help you get through this challenging period or at any point in time if you are struggling with your mental health just have some tools in your tool belt so I'm pretty excited about this episode it's a very timely topic and I hope you get as much value out of it as I did so welcome everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Amplify series. I'm your host Susan Shirara and today we have a very special guest, Janan Nazardine. Welcome Janan. Thank you for having me. Uh, before we get into a formal introduction yes. of who you are, I just wanted to let guests know that uh, so Janan and I actually grew up together. Yes we've, we
1: did. We've known
0: each other since childhood, yes. middle school, middle high school. school. I
1: knew this girl when Chris Cross taught us
0: it was okay <laughs> to wear backwards <laughs> overalls and thin yes. eyebrows were a thing. Yes, yes. <laughs> yeah? And and then post high school life took us in a different dir- took us both in different directions, yeah. and then we reconnected earlier this year. I, I launched the Amplify series. Yeah. I shared it on social media. Yeah. And you were awesome enough to reach out and say, hey, I love what you're doing with love this it. series. Yeah. Um, if you ever want to have more of a conversation on mental health, let me know. Yeah. Um, immediately, I knew I wanted to have that conversation. Mm-hmm. I didn't realize the conversation would be so timely in lieu of everything that's yes. going on. Yeah. So I wanted to invite you out. I'm mm-hmm. going to get you for guests who are not familiar with you. Mm-hmm. Um, tell us a bit about yourself and more about your experience and background in the mental health space.
1: Right. That's a fantastic question. Well, first off I want to say thank you so much for having me and creating this platform where we can talk about important issues especially issues of mental health this is an area that is uh, very very passionate I'm very very passionate about Um, so by trade I'm a certified child and youth care counselor Um, I have been a counselor in the city of Edmonton for the last 20 years I specialize in working with high-risk and vulnerable youth particularly in the area of drug addiction gang affiliation and sexual exploitation okay Um, I've had the distinct pleasure of working with some really really awesome young people Mm. and I I, I say this very humbly I've probably learned more from them than they have ever from me and uh, so I have been doing that for the last 20 years and uh, about a couple of years ago my boss came to me and said there's this course I want you to take, Mm -hmm. uh, it's called Mental Health First Aid. I knew nothing about it Mm -hmm. and uh, she uh, told me that I needed to go take this and so I love to do any kinds of training because I think I really am an advocate for knowledge is power and and so I went and uh, this training to to put it mildly was an absolute game changer for mm. me. It really kind of forced me to look at what I grew up learning around mental health. It forced me to look at what my own beliefs and stereotypes around mental health was yeah. and it not only changed the way that I work in collaboration with my with my youth but it also change the way I support and help others outside of the work capacity, how I Mm -hmm. assist my community in working within mental health. Um, And so uh, I had the distinct pleasure of becoming a uh, trainer in Mental Health First Aid. I actually trained two versions of that course, Mental Health First Aid, the basic course, as well as the Mental Health First Aid for adults who interact with youth. Um, And I'm a contract trainer for the Mental Health Commission of Canada. Oh, wow. And so in 2015, uh, in collaboration with my business partner at the time, uh, we piloted uh, a a business called Catalyst Training Services. Mm -hmm. and the. primary focus of that business was to educate and advocate around mental health yeah. um, and literally without any advertisement, without any social media, without anything, it just went like wildfire. And oh, wow. it was all word of mouth. People started to hear about the trainings and, and the outcomes of the trainings and how uh, the feedback of the training was so great and so important and so necessary. and. It just took off, and yeah. last year I made the decision, as much as I, I love you know work in that social work capacity, yeah. um, when I look at all of my experiences within the last 20 years, the common denominator, the thread that binds everything, was always mental, mental health. health. Wow. So for me, it was a seamless transition from doing that to spreading my wings and, and um, really pushing Catalyst Training Services to mm-hmm. be the, the one-stop shop for training, education and advocacy for mental health and that's
0: now what I do. Oh that's yeah. so awesome and yeah you know what for me what stood out and we've had a couple of conversations yeah. previous to this episode, um, you're very passionate, I love your passion for number one you know ending the stigma that's yes, around mental health so and so just overall that. promoting you know um, mental health well-being. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to just tell the viewers a little bit about why I reached out to you sure. so mental health, I'd probably say definitely in the last couple of years, it's a very hot topic, right? Um, It's a hot topic in the workspace. It's a hot topic in the community at large. And so I've gone to a lot of different events or a lot of different talks and conversations. um, And I've often found, and this just could be my experience, right? right? So I don't know if this is the experience of many. I'm just going to speak to my experience. Um, The conversations end up being on one end of the spectrum or the other. So one end being where you know they don't go really deep. They stay at the superficial level and yeah there's a little bit of awareness but you walk away thinking okay well you know I didn't really take anything away from that that I can sink my teeth into in terms of like strategies and tools but I certainly am a little more aware Um, And on the other end of the spectrum, where they go really deep, but they go deep with particular disorders that maybe aren't necessarily, you know, the majority, right? So, you know, I've gone to talks where, you know, they're talking about schizophrenia and they're talking about suicide and they're talking talking about disorders where it's completely affected someone's ability to, um, to function. And I think to myself, like, that's great to know. But once again, what about everyone that's in the middle? Right? And right now, obviously, with the coronavirus crisis, Janine. a lot of people are struggling. Absolutely. Um, a lot of people are struggling in silence. Yeah. And if I just even think about within my own circle, the two groups that stand out to me. So I've got a lot of friends who are mothers, right? And they're working mothers. Mm-hmm. And so they were used to like working children at school. They're now having to adjust to working from home mm-hmm. and having to homeschool children. And they are feeling so overwhelmed and anxious. Mm-hmm. And on the flip side, I, uh, my business, I deal with a lot of entrepreneurs, Right, so I'm a marketing strategist. Where you've got, you know, and, and typically these entrepreneurs tend to be men. Um, Successful businesses, but they are anxious and worried about what their business is going to look like on Mm -hmm. the other side of this pandemic, Mm -hmm. right? And whether, you know, they're going to still be operating, whether they'll still even have a business, depending on how long this lasts. And fair. Yeah. Yeah. And so I would definitely say, you know, anxiety and fear and worry Mm -hmm. is at an all time high. And that's a lot of what I've been privy to in the last couple of weeks. Mm -hmm. Um, I wanted to have you out uh, on the podcast and to have more of a conversation that speak and, and we're gonna touch on everything mm. um, I will say this to viewers and I've said this to you Janan I see this being the first of many conversations so what I don't want to do is I don't want to try to touch on everything in right. one convo um, but maybe just speak start with mental health being such a large umbrella Huge, right yeah. so we'll start with like right. you know what is mental health and the different and then go from yeah. there but really with today's episode speaking to those in the middle yeah. right where yeah. it's you know there's a uh, stuff is there. They're struggling. It's maybe not at the point where it's completely affected their ability to function, but if they don't have the right coping strategies, it might get there. So I reached out to you. That is why I'm excited to have this conversation. Um, It's very timely. So Mm -hmm. why don't we just start with, because mental health, it's such a large umbrella, right? So what is mental health according to you?
1: Yeah. Well, I love that, that you said that. And I, before I get to, to what the definition of yeah. it is, is I want to just touch on a couple of things that you said. And it, it completely makes sense in that it can be very overwhelming because you can talk on various ends of that spectrum around yeah. mental health, right? The one thing that's important to, to understand is that mental health looks different for different people. Okay. Right? And that just because schizophrenia looks like this in this person does not mean that it'll look like this in this person. Okay. It, it looks different for different people. And, um,. Uh, and so that in and it of itself is important to yeah. to realize and it's such a broad spectrum like there's so much we can talk about it yeah. but when we talk about mental health I want to take it back just one step further okay and I want to start off by looking at what the definition of health is okay so according to the World Health Organization the definition of health is a state of complete mental physical and social well-being Mm. and not merely the absence of disease or infirmity. Now why is that definition so important? Because when we look at the definition of health, social connectivity, mental and physical, it's all three of those. So when we look at optimal wellness, it has to include all three of those. Now Why do I want to highlight this? Because this is where societal views come into play. And I see this time and time again, where society would have us believe that health is one end of the spectrum and mental health is on a whole different playing field. It's on that opposite. They're two separate things. They're two separate things, right? And I see this time and time again in the work that I do where I'll meet with a client or I'll be speaking to somebody in our community and I'll say, Tell me about your health. And they say, oh, I'm, I'm great, I go to the gym, I work out, I, I eat right, I do this. And I say, great, tell me about your mental health. Yeah. And instantly they get their back up against, them. well, what do you mean? Are you implying I'm crazy? Yeah. Right? That, like, it's almost like a, a dirty question that I ask them when it comes to their mental health. And one of the things that I really want to stress is your health includes no, your, it's your mental, mental health. health. We cannot have a conversation. We cannot factor in we cannot make it a priority in reference to our health without incorporating our mental health
0: and that's a like you said that to me before Janan and that was a bit of an aha moment because all of us and just by default right like when you say the word health all of us naturally just think of our physical health right we think about diet and we think about exercise and even though like we all recognize mental health is a component of health you know previous to us having a conversation and you sharing that you know I kind of was like oh yeah I kind of do separate the two even though you do see them in and of the same we do separate the two because that's what
1: society taught
0: us to do so uh, you know
1: a great example is like let's say you do go to the gym all the time and you you're physically fit and you meet the criteria of everything that you have to do in your responsibilities yeah but if you do all of that with high levels of anxiety or depression Mm. do you have good health and the answer is no, you do not. Yeah right? Because one of those components is compromise.
0: Well and the best example of that yeah. is more often than not, if you look at all of these like fitness instructors, yes. right? Or yeah. you look at a lot of like the fitness influencers yeah. and celebrities, yeah. like a lot of them actually have come out and said like, you know, mentally and emotionally yeah. I was stru like they yeah. are the epitome of health, yeah. right? Yeah. They have the abs, yes, they have absolutely. they do it all and yeah. a lot of them will come out and say like emotionally I'm stru I was struggling. struggling yeah. And so I think that's a great thing to to like just yeah. even say you know don't look at them as two separate things they like are health. one
1: in the same we Love cannot it. I cannot stress this enough we cannot have a conversation about health whether it be in our personal lives within our communities in the workplace anywhere without factoring in mental health it needs to be part of the conversation
0: okay Yeah. so with you so right. when you hear the like what You know, we've talked about, you know, you you, you wanting to, one of the ways that you spread awareness Mm -hmm. is just, you know, when you say the words mental Mm -hmm. health, it means different things to different people. people, So according to you, like, what is it and what is it not? When I think of the word, now, there's obviously
1: uh, specific definitions to what mental health is. But again, mental health looks different for different Different people, people. right? When I think of mental health, it's anything that alters your mind, your mood, or your behavior and affects your ability to function in life,
0: right?
1: Now, when we look at it on a spectrum, uh, in a spectrum, right? People can have a mental health problem, right? So and they can still, have
0: anxiety. Anxiety, yeah. but
1: still be able to follow through with their routines. They're still able to get yeah. their kids up. So soon. they might
0: be taking some like medication to like, And, you know, and maybe even not, right? Um, but they're okay. still able but to they're function. Functioning. They're yeah. still able
1: to get up. They're still able to get their kids off to school. They may not do it on a 10, right? Yeah. On the spectrum, but they're maybe doing it at a five. But for the most part, they're still achieving what they need to be doing, mm. right? When we look at it on a level 10 on that, spectrum uh, is when we look at a disorder where it absolutely cripples a person's ability to function to maintain healthy relationships to obtain or maintain employment it has crippling and debilitating effects on a person's ability to function now anytime we're talking about mental health We know that we don't have to wait or nor should we wait until it's a disorder for us to get those supports and for us to reach out and get that help or to help others, right? Early intervention with any mental health is critical the sooner that we can get those supports in, the sooner we can draw attention to it, the sooner we can help that person, the better outcome for their health and their optimal wellness becomes.
0: Okay. So I have a question for you, Janan. Obviously, I mean, with mental health being on the rise across the board, right, Um, and more and more, uh, there's a couple of things. So there's two two areas I want to go in. Um, Before I I get to the point that I want to make, you and i a couple of days ago had a conversation and you said something that was like a huge aha moment Uh for me um it really shifted the way that i think because for me when i would think about mental health and the different disorders right so i'm like okay you know i know people who are struggling with anxiety you know who are feeling blue maybe a little bit of depressed so i kind of in my mind and i'm just speaking for myself saw the spectrum right and on one end of the spectrum i saw you know lighter i'm just going to call them conditions feel free to correct my terminology so you know people i know who were you know they've got anxiety, they might be taking medication, they're a little bit depressed, mm-hmm. they're feeling blue. So you've got that on one end mm-hmm. of the spectrum. And then on the other end of the spectrum, you've got the disorders that completely affect one's ability to function. Mm-hmm. So um, I've been privy to people with schizophrenia, bipolar. Um, I know of situations where people have been suicidal. So I kind of saw the spectrum that way, where I'm mm-hmm. like, okay, you've got conditions on one end, and, and yeah. then you've got you know, more severe yeah. conditions and disorders yeah. on the other end. Yeah, yeah. And you said to me, no, Susan, like that spectrum yeah. is wrong. Yeah. You're yeah. like, we, so I'm going to have you explain, right. and I was like, well, what do you and, mean that? And, and actually, I, I want to
1: speak to that because many people view without. with that way, yeah. right? Yeah. And so uh, one of the things that I was telling you in that conversation is that when we look at the spectrum of severity, we've been using this term yeah, yeah. spectrum quite a bit, but just so that people understand, when we look at spectrum of se- severity, are there some mental health disorders that are more severe than others? Absolutely, right? Okay. Um, are there? And, and what we mean by that is that they are more chronic, yeah. right? Um, things like bipolar disorder, things like schizophrenia, for example, or psychotic uh, disorders, yeah. right? But when we look at that spectrum um, of severity, don't so much look at it as a disorder, yeah. but in the way that it affects a person's quality of life. And ability right? to function. And ability to yeah. function. Because if we go by that common belief that you just highlighted, yeah. right, um, we might be inclined to put anxiety and depression on the you know, on lighter, one, s- on yeah, the yeah. lighter side of but it. But
0: you have people who where they're depressed, Depression is so severe right. that they cannot function at all well and, and not have, only
1: that but depression left untreated could lead to suicide
0: yeah. and which, then you've got yeah. someone who might be schizophrenic but who is completely able yeah. who has it under control who has a great treatment yeah, plan able is to function taking his medication yeah. has
1: great natural supports has great professional supports and to look at them you would never know yeah right um, so
0: the spectrum really is and, and this is what I came to yeah. understand the spectrum isn't certain conditions lighter, you know, no. lighter what quote-unquote lighter conditions yes. on one end more severe yeah. conditions conditions and disorders on the other but rather you know regardless of the condition or disorder to what extent does it affect your ability to Absolutely. function Absolutely,
1: because I think the danger in people using the disorder in it of itself yeah. is that we become dismissive to the impact things like depression can have yeah right things like anxiety can have yeah. those are crippling disorders if left untreated yeah. right um and so I uh, my fear in using it in that in that context is that it. Dis- dismisses how impactful those disorders can be yeah does that make sense no it
0: does it was like i said it was we were talking and it was just an aha moment for me where i was like oh i never thought about it that way um so just shifting gears slightly like for. I mean, obviously, with mental health, the other one thing I do want to talk about is stigma, uh-huh. right? So, <laughs> I'm very
1: <laughs> and, passionate and, about talking about stigma, and that,
0: that's yeah. what you That's your, you know, that's what drives you. Yes. Uh, I know that you are passionate about ending the stigma yeah. around mental health. Yeah. Um, there we know right i mean we're not sharing anything new with viewers everyone knows that mental health is on you know um mental health is on the rise Mm -hmm. like more and more people are struggling right um more and more you know people are still like even though it is a hot topic people are still struggling in silence and so a lot of that has to do with stigma like where do we start this conversation right because struggling is one thing and just even There are people out there who are probably even struggling and don't even know. You know, I've had suffering in silence. Yeah, Yeah. and don't even or maybe don't even recognize like they're feeling blue and they maybe don't even recognize their symptoms as being, you know, anything problematic. They think it's normal. Like, where do we start? the? Because that's the other thing for me is right now I look at it. A lot of people are struggling and a lot of people are struggling in silence. Um, One thing that you said to me that I just I thought another thing that was a game changer for me is you said, it's okay to not be okay and just even saying that we're giving people permission to say like look like right now yeah Yeah. whether it's right now you know there is a crisis unlike anything we've ever seen before Mm -hmm. I mean if you're feeling anxious and if you're feeling stressed and if you're whatever it is you're feeling right and regardless of where you are on the spectrum if you're not feeling okay it's okay Okay. to not feel okay
1: absolutely so I'd like to di- dissect yeah. everything that you just said. I'm throwing
0: a lot out at it. No, yeah, this is so it. great. And, and I love this because we're just having yeah. an organic
1: conversation about it. I am fiercely passionate about stigma yeah. um, and, and combating stigma. And yeah. I'll tell you from my personal experience, uh, I grew up in a, in a culture and in a community where we did not talk about yeah. mental health. Yeah. Right. Um, and if anybody said anything to you, you um you were reminded that your parents came from civil war and what do you have to complain about? And you have a roof over your head and pull your bootstraps up and there's nothing wrong with you. It's fine. And I look at so many elders, especially the women in our communities who suffer in silence. And one of the things that I know to be true to my core is this secrets keep us sick
0: i love you said that to me silence keeps keeps us sick sick.
1: and when we don't talk about what's going on for us it further perpetuates our illness yeah we have to get to a point in our society where we can say it's okay not to be okay and that is fundamentally the core value of why i created catalyst training so if
0: people are not so a couple of things here right um I agree with you. People yeah. struggling in silence love it. Silence yeah. keeps us sick. Absolutely. If people are, are why are people staying silent? Okay, let me
1: tell you. People are staying silent.
0: The primary
1: reason people stay silent is stigma. Yeah. Sixty percent of people who are struggling with mental health will not get the help that they need because of stigma. Now let's back it up a bit. Yeah. What is stigma? I was because gonna we ask hear, that. We hear this term <laughs> you so took much the and question out of variations. my mouth. The best way I can describe stigma yeah. is, uh, think of peanut butter and jelly, yeah. right? How they go together. Yeah. Prejudice and discrimination marry together. Mm. Okay, let's dissect that a little bit. So when we talk about prejudice, it is the preconceived ideas and opinions that are not based in fact or logic. These are ideas that we have adopted, whether it be through our upbringing, through our personal experiences, through what we hear on social media, and we pass it off as fact. For example, um, all people who live with mental health are dangerous right okay. these are prejudice yeah. prejudice or
0: Stop. all people who live with mental health are crazy are crazy right? absolutely yeah, yeah.
1: so that is a prejudice yeah. the discrimination part of it is acting on that belief so it's actions or decisions that treat people or group poorly based on those yeah. belief systems right so Again, it's that marriage of the prejudiced beliefs yeah. and acting on those discrimination. So,
0: if I were to just say that in yeah. crayon, <laughs> yeah, yeah. say it in crayon, you it know, is fixed and false beliefs that we pass off as fact. Yeah. And if people, so yeah. if people are not speaking up and yeah. they are staying silent, yeah. it's the fear of being it's judged. The fear what will of people? Being, yeah. Being so if I come out and I say. Uh, because there's a couple of things there that you said. Number one, you know, if I say I'm not OK, you know, there's that fear of like, oh, we grew up in war yeah, and we, yeah. can, we immigrated yeah. to this country, this country and we immigrated yeah. with nothing. You know, like what you, do you have to complain about? Exactly. Yeah. Like, number one, not even giving them the permission or the space to not feel yeah. OK. And then second of all, the fear of what will people think? Yes. Right. So well, are people going to think I am, you know, fill in the blank, right. whatever that is?
1: Well, Stigma in and of itself arises from a lack of education, a lack of awareness, a lack of compassion, a lack of perception. And because of that uh, that void and that lack of information, what it inevitably does is stigma creates shame, it creates blame, it creates secrecy. Yeah. it creates self stigma right where I uh, people believe I'm worthless therefore I am worthless so we start to believe the societal stigma around it yeah. and it creates isolation yeah. right so stigma is so dangerous because it further projects people into isolation it 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 Prevents people from getting the help that they need.
0: So, part of. Or even speaking up to say, like, before you even get to the point of getting the help that you need, like, speaking up to say, like, I am not okay. And and whatever that is, like, it doesn't, you know, even like I said, it could be a simple. I know, and, you know, using myself as an example, like, there was a, you know, I I think of the first time where, you know, I struggled emotionally, it was, you know, After a breakup, you know, and it was a relationship that was a long relationship. You know, we broke up and I just remember like being overwhelmed with all of these emotions and not being okay. Yeah. Right. And what do you do with it? Yeah. And it was just like, but just to be able to, you know, and I was one of those people. I mean, I had my sister, God bless her soul, but, you know, I probably struggled in silence more than I should have because of the fear of like oh if I come out and tell people like hey you know I'm feeling overwhelmed right now with all of these emotions I don't know what to do it you know and it's funny because even with our conversation I, I thought about just times in my own life where I've struggled and mm-hmm. I've struggled in silence right. and I'm like, you know, was it shame? What was it? If mm-hmm. I struggled in silence, why? Mm-hmm. And for me, Janan, it was interesting because, and and this speaks, all, especially for women who are known as quote unquote being the strong yes. women, right? When yes. you are the rock for, you are the rock for age. Pre- H- Pre- <laughs> you know what? And I always, yeah. I grew up, like, I grew up being that rock for so many people. Yeah. And I always considered myself. And when I say strong, I'm not talking physically, but just even emotionally. emotionally yeah. And the first time I ever felt like, whoa, you know, I do not feel strong at all. And yeah. I remember thinking... Like, it was that fear of, like, okay, if I yeah. reach out and I say I'm not okay emotionally, yeah. are people gonna think, oh, wow, here we thought she was strong, but yes. she's really not?
1: Yeah. And that in and it of itself is the stigma. Right? right? It what was like, that mean yeah, even though yeah. it's like,
0: you know, I was like, it was a vulnerable moment, a vulnerable space, but it was that fear. It wasn't even like, oh, you know, more so on the shame, but just yeah. even like, you know I think I'm a strong person yeah. but right now I'm not and if I reach out and people are gonna you know they're gonna yeah. you know are they gonna think that I'm weak yes right yes. and that was my fear It's That's like I don't want stigma. Yeah, yeah I don't want people thinking I'm weak yeah. and so I just kept it to myself yeah. shared it with my sister shared it yeah. with a few others and I'm just like and I it's funny because I see this pattern in all of my friends who I yeah. quote unquote, you know yeah. where it's like you can be a strong woman yeah. and when I say strong once again emotionally yeah. and have weak moments Absolutely. having weak moments Absolutely. Does Not make you a weak person. It doesn't
1: make you weak.
0: You know what it makes you? It makes you human. It makes you human. And you know, yeah, yeah, I know that now. But it's funny because, but at the time I didn't see, I was younger, right? I was much younger. I certainly didn't see it that way. And it was just like, and then also the other thing too is not knowing that I would get to the other side because I think the first time you you know where you're just like okay i'm not okay and at that moment i'd never experienced anything like that where yeah. just overwhelmed with all yes. these emotions and, and i love
1: how you worded that overwhelmed that's that what it was yeah you and you're like am i
0: ever yeah. Yeah, especially when you're in the midst of a heartbreak you know people you know always think like will i ever get through yes. this right so now you know having gotten to the other side and realizing like you know what um yeah no i should have i i did i yes. probably the first time that it happened like struggled in silence yes. more than i should have yeah um but yeah there is that you know, there's always, there's that fear, whatever mm-hmm. the fear is, yeah. right?
1: Well, here's what I'm going to tell you in, in particular to the mental health part of that, yeah. right? Is that, you know, and I always tell this to my participants, everybody has mental health.
0: Yeah.
1: Everybody has mental health, just like we all have physical, physical
0: health, health yeah. right?
1: To say you don't have mental health is actually not an accurate statement. Yeah. Just like you have physical health, you have mental health. Yeah. And similarly to our physical health, it can ebb and flow, right? Yeah. Sometimes you have really, really great physical yeah. health, and then you break your leg, <laughs> right? And then you're housebound, right? Oh, and then the
0: coronavirus and happens, and you're at home, and you are right? not yeah, yeah. But it's
1: the same thing with phys- our mental yes. health. Sometimes we have really, really good mental health, and That's we're so journaling, and Janan. we're accessing our personal supports, like you men- mentioned your sister. Yeah, I yeah. know your sister, she's a great yeah. lady. Um, and you know, accessing those professional supports, and we have really strong mental health. And then a child dies. Yeah, yeah. Is that going to affect your mental health? Absolutely, it yeah. will. But to say we don't have mental health, right? Yeah. And to say that I'm not capable or I shouldn't have um, feelings of mental health is not accurate, yeah. right? And this goes back to what I was saying before. We have to make it okay to say. I'm not okay. And going back to your point that you were saying about, you know, you're the strong one in the family. I, I, or just listen, the strong, you know, when the, you're a you're that you're the person that's that that everybody goes for everyone, to. you rock for everyone, right? Know, and I and can then, tell you as a counselor, right, where I spend the majority of my day hearing everybody else's problem, that compassion fatigue, yeah. right, is what we call it, um, that affects us strongly, yeah. right? So, um, So, and that's normal, that is okay, yeah. right? But when we talk about stigma, we have to really get to a point where we're educating ourselves, we're more aware, we're more compassionate, we're more mindful about what mental health is so that we can combat that stigma because that's how we combat stigma. And one of the reasons I'm so passionate about teaching mental health first aid is because we really dive into what is stigma, where did you learn your stigma from, Mm -hmm. and how do we unbreak that? what is mental health versus what is not mental health
0: so question for you janan so how do we just individually right so we're going to speak collectively and individually and i'm going to tell you you know what i'm particularly we're both lebanese right and for me i think mental health is an extremely important conversation across the board and even more so in diverse communities and communities Mm -hmm. of color so you know whether you're arab canadian -Canadian, indo-canadian asian canadian you know we come from communities where you know people don't you know they suffer in silence yeah. you know it's not okay to not be okay mm-hmm. uh, a lot of them are suffering and, and that's more you know we talked about this it's more you know an older generation yeah. um, moving forward if mm-hmm. we talk about ending the stigma like how do we start to do so in our communities where yeah. it still isn't gen- i do see a yeah. shift yeah. i do see you know a bit of a change yeah. it's nowhere not yeah. where it needs to be yeah. You know, we can say, okay, we need to end the stigma. Great. But Mm -hmm. how do we do that? Like if you are someone where you are a first generation Canadian and you come from a community where there is a there's more stigma than, say, you know, Mm -hmm. within the larger community as a whole, how do you start to combat that? What do you do to end? What can I do, you know, as an individual, like within my own community and the community at large? Because this can all be very you know, yes, vague, like, OK, yes. let's end stigma. Yeah. Everyone agrees that the stigma yeah. needs to come to an end. Yeah. But what does that look like? How do you do that individually? We, ha- we
1: have to recognize that there are many seasonings that create that stew of stigma, okay. Right? for a lack of a better metaphor. Um, there's a lot of things that contribute to it. Like okay. I said, lack of education, misuse of language. Yeah. That is another one. Using inappropriate language around mental health, that is okay. a huge catalyst for stigma. Um, uh old belief systems right that are not based in fact or based in science or based in any of that right so if you were to ask me simply how do we end stigma Or how do we start? Like, I mean,
0: how do we start? Yeah, Yeah. like the reality is it's not going to end tomorrow, right? But but like, where do we start? And specifically in communities of color where stigma is far more prevalent than, say, the community at large. Like, where do we start and how do we show up individually to begin? Because this is a long journey, right? We're not ending... stigma in a night or two or a year or two but where do we start right so that that for for, our children and their children you know it's going to look a lot different than what it looked for us Us. and our parents. Absolutely
1: well I will tell you uh, the fact that that mental health is on the tip of everyone's tongue right now it makes me so happy I can't stand it. And the
0: fact that you and I both you know Lebanese women yeah. sitting here <laughs> yeah. at the podcast, having this conversation. Yeah. yeah.
1: Um, it, it makes me so excited that people yeah. are talking about it. And, you know, people always say, well, it never used to be that bad back in the day. Right. That is actually not accurate. When we look at you know veterans who have come back from war and the the significant PTSD, we just didn't talk about it, right? Ah. And so now that we're talking about it, it brings awareness, and because of that awareness percolating, people are more inclined to get educated. In response to your question, how do we squash stigma? Or how do we start? You get educated. You get educated, you find out what is anxiety? What is it? What is it actually? Yeah, right? What is schizophrenia? What is it actually? What and is
0: depression? What is depression?
1: What is... what is the impact of this mental health? What yeah. happens if I leave it untreated? Because what happens is that stigma is is perpetuated by what we grew up believing, right? And if that thought pattern is not accurate, right what is that going to do it's going to make the person sicker it's going to shame them into silence and it's not going to get them the help that they need you know what
0: I'm just thinking like as you're talking Janan and this is coming up for me and it's very interesting mm-hmm. because if you look at our parents generation yeah. and so many of them struggled in silence yeah. right yeah. so what maybe started off as light mm-hmm. and because it went on they suffered in silence it went untreated, untreated. by the time you know even if we think about our own community, the few Mm -hmm. people that we know, because it was never treated. Right. And this is really my intention with this conversation is that, you know, and we're going to do this later on in the conversation is sharing coping strategies if you're able to catch it early on and you've got great coping strategies, you know, the the hope is that it doesn't fully spiral. Right. But what I'm just realizing is like a lot of people, because they suffered in silence and didn't get the help that they Mm -hmm. need, they pretty much spiraled where it was that like they went crazy. Right. And then so people just naturally assume that everyone who gets this condition is ultimately going to become worst case scenario. But the reason a lot of the people that we know maybe did become the worst case scenario is because, number one, they suffered in silence, and they never got the treatment that they need so that it just got worse and worse and worse. Yeah, so yeah. I almost want to say the intention with today's conversation is regardless of what you're feeling or going through, yeah. if you catch it early on and you've got the right coping strategies, yeah. it doesn't have to be the situations you saw yeah. growing up. And furthermore, you're
1: not defined by your illness. Mm. I really mean want to that? Stress, stress that. And this ties in very, very closely with language, okay. right? Part of... For some, part of the hesitance to get the help that they need is because if I go to the doctor about my bipolar disorder, and he says, you have bipolar disorder, that becomes my identity. I am now bipolar, quote unquote. Yeah. And so sometimes that in and of itself can be... Or if I go
0: to the doctor, like even just using another example, like... And he tells me I'm clinically depressed. depressed I'm yeah. Depression now becomes... Yes.
1: Ah. And now our illness leads who we are, right? Mm. And we see that especially with mental health and yeah. in turn in the language that we use. So um, language is one of the biggest catalysts for stigma. So okay. um, when we adopt our identity as our mental health problem, okay. right, um, we basically throw away everything else that we are. So when you say to somebody they are a schizophrenic, for example, you are completely dismissing everything else that they are. So then
0: what should you, like if let's say you have somebody who's been diagnosed with schizophrenia or- Or any kind of disorder. Yeah, or like an anxiety disorder or depression. This is important, right? right? Language yes. is everything. Language matters. But, it because I also, matters. I know just even, and this isn't specific to mental health. Like a lot of times I'll say addressing the behavior versus yes. the individual, yes. right? So yes. you might be like, okay, they have depressive yeah. tendencies yes. versus, or I'm having a depressive moment sure. versus, you know, assuming, yeah. I don't know. What yeah. is the. So when we use, I, I'm going to give you two examples. Okay. When
1: we say, he is a schizophrenic versus he is living with schizophrenia.
0: Okay. Even
1: though it's a subtle change. One. It absolutely makes a world of difference to a person who's struggling with that illness. And let me explain to you the distinction. When you say they are a schizophrenic, the fact that they are somebody's child, the fact that they have a master's degree, the fact that they are an accomplished pianist, The fact that that's somebody's child or that's somebody's uncle, everything else that they are becomes dismissive. They are their
0: illness. This is huge, Janana. Okay, right? But <laughs> I'm when having you say another when aha moment, say- and I wanted to like, and I want to use other examples too. Yeah. Even like same thing, depression yeah. and anxiety. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Where you could like, ver, you know, what would be the language mm. he's, he's having? He's living so living in depression, you can, you can or,
1: use language like they are living with, they are struggling with, they okay. are battling. Okay. So where you separate the you condition from the identity? Yes. And this right. is something that we see in particular with mental health that we don't see in physical ailments. Like. Yeah. For example you would never say to somebody there goes irritable bowel syndrome right you would no. never say that no. or you would never say to somebody there goes cervical cancer
0: you'd say he has or she or, has, yeah. right? We yeah. would
1: never lead by illness. Why? Because it's disrespectful, it's offensive, and it's hurtful. And they're,
0: not, they're right? more than their illness. And they are more
1: than their illness. I am oh. a stroke survivor. I'm going to use myself as yeah, an example. Yeah. I'm a stroke survivor. I had a stroke when I was 36.
0: Oh, wow.
1: And when I look at the my life in whole, me having a stroke is probably this much of my life like it is such a small facet of my life yeah but if everyone was to define me as oh there goes that stroke girl
0: yeah it would
1: really diminish who i am outside of that experience right? Mm. so one of the things i always train my participants is when we use language we never ever want to use illness first language by saying, for example, they are a schizophrenic, yeah. we want to lead by using the person first. Yeah. They are a person living, living with, with
0: So that could be a place to start in absolutely. terms of ending. I love that. I love changes, so separating the subtle, condition absolutely. from the, because yeah, I, and showing mental health the
1: same compassion and empathy that we do physical ailments. Yes, right? yes, The you're problem right. is with physical ailments, for example, if I break my leg, you can see that I broke my leg. I have yeah. a cast, I'm walking differently, yeah. right? But with mental health, we don't always see it, yeah. right? I as a, as a first responder or me as just a, a friend or a person on the street... I won't see your depression per se, or I wouldn't see the internal struggles that you have. So sometimes people interpret that as, oh, you're just faking, right? If I can't see it, it doesn't add validity to my case that this is in fact what you're struggling with, right? So treating people with compassion, being mindful of the language that we're using and really educating ourselves about what mental health is versus what it is not is really how we're going to combat stigma. Podcasts like this, where we make it okay to talk about we make it, it okay to talk about it and yeah be,
0: and not be make it okay to not be okay absolutely
1: yeah. listen I built a career of 20 years of having yeah. very uncomfortable conversations and no but that's this is, where relationships yeah. and this that's is what I want to do fosters yeah absolutely.
0: like for me Jeanette I want to give people tangibles yeah. right so I'm like okay you know I think all of us uh, and actually no I'm going to speak of my you know of my, starting with myself like we I want to end the stigma you know I want yeah. people I think just even starting with just having the conversations, yeah. right if somebody comes to you yeah. and just you know like like or checking in on people mm-hmm. like how are you doing mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. I know I've used in the last week like and the first thing I did you know aside from family mm-hmm. all of my strong female friends yeah. checking in on them yes. how are you doing you yes. know because they're the ones checking in on everyone yeah. else yeah. nobody you know and yeah. so I'm like how are you doing like so how are you I coping so can I speak to that for a second yeah
1: because When we're just going back to your question about, you know, how do we combat mental health? Um, And I think when we look at it from the perspective of being the helper, right? Like where I see a family member who's struggling or a friend who's struggling when you're in the role of the helper, sometimes some of the barriers to to reaching out can be things like, what if I say something and it sets her off? What if I say the wrong thing? I don't know how to fix this right yeah. and we put this mountain of responsibility on our shoulders to have to fix the problem yeah, yeah. and one of the things that i really want to stress to people it's not your job to quote fix the problem Yeah. and i will tell you as a counselor i see this time and time again in the work that i do sometimes people just want to be heard yes sometimes it's just a matter of saying hey you look a little
0: yeah. off. And Is I would probably okay? say most like, yeah. you know, Jeanette, I want to share the story with you. This happened years and years ago. I remember you used to belong to this circle of like um, entrepreneurial women. Right. One of the women in the circle, uh, Allison Jones, shout out to Allison. Uh, she's a psychologist. Uh, she's got a clinical practice. Right. Um, she's an entrepreneur as well. And I remember we all there was five or six of us. We went to a conference one year. And then usually what happens, like after the conference, you know, after the day was done, we all went and grabbed dinner. We went back to one of the ladies' rooms. And one of the women in the circle, um, we were just all, you know, we, we were just having girl chat, yeah. right?
1: As we do. As we do, <laughs> as women do
0: when they congregate. Yeah. Um, and one of the women... Um, was really struggling, yeah. like really struggling, and she just broke down in tears, yeah. like, so you've got this one woman, and she's surrounded, I can't remember, five or six of us, um, she broke down in tears, and just like, you know, she was having a really vulnerable moment, right. so you've got a woman surrounded by like five or six women, who breaks down in tears, having a really vulnerable moment, what do you think, you know, w- uh, what do you think yeah, we all did, yeah, right? Yeah. Somebody grab the wine, <laughs> <laughs> or like, it was just, we all immediately, like, as she's as she was wanting to, yeah. you know, crying and whatnot, immediately we all wanted to make her feel better. Absolutely. So we all, and I remember Alison, The first thing she said to all of us, like I think one wor- woman chimed in, and then another woman chimed in, and mm. Allison said, "Stop, Let don't her feel yeah. what
1: she needs." And she to feel. said
0: something to me. She said um, three words I'll never forget. She said, "Don't fill or four words. Don't fill the space." Yes. Don't, yeah. she's like, women have this tendency to yeah. fill the space. Yes. Like if someone, if I come to you and I'm, yeah. and I'm having a vulnerable moment and I'm breaking down, you know, your oh, inclination is going to be to that. want to make yes. me feel better. Yes. And Alison said, stop. Yeah. L- don't fill the space. Just give her the space to share. Needs, yeah. This this story yeah. probably happened like 10 and years ago and even if
1: they're quiet let that be. yeah I, I, whereas I, we have the yeah. tendency
0: and i just want to finish this example like this was a decade ago and yeah. i never forgot those words and i was and i probably was like super guilty of doing this whereas like when a friend would come to me previous to that yeah. naturally i just wanted to make them yeah. feel better you're going to be okay yeah. you know whatever yeah. whatever and not realizing that like nine times out of ten when that friend is coming to me and they want to share something they actually don't even want like they just yeah. want the space to share and after that weekend yeah. um and i even started identifying in myself and yeah. this is a great tip for others where when i am reaching out now that i'm better and i'm not yeah, struggling yeah, yeah. silence and i'm reaching out what do i need yeah. you know do i just need a space to share and more often than not that's actually what i do need it's yeah. like with my sister we are really great at this you know i'll reach out to her and she's like okay what do you need like yeah. are you wanting me to yeah. give yeah. some advice i'll be like nosy Right now, I just need the space to yeah. share. And other times, it's like, no, I need you to go into, like, cheerleading yeah, yeah, mode yeah, or yeah. advice mode. But women, and I, and I don't think it's specific to women. We all have this tendency mm. to want to make people feel yes. better. And nine times out of 10, all people want is just a space yes. to share. Yes. And even when they get to, like, I even find yes. with myself when I share, that's all it takes for me to feel yeah. better. Like, yes. my sister will check in the next day, how are you doing? And I'm like, I'm yeah. much better, yeah, you know, better. because I was able, like, it, I you know, these emotions came up and now I had, like, I had a outlet for the emotions and an outlet for what was coming up. Whereas... So can I speak to that
1: just for a second? First off, thank you for sharing that because I think it beautifully depicts, uh, especially in women, how how we feel this need to kind of nurture and make everything better. And we really need to stop that, right? And one of the things that um, I always say is that, you know, people may forget what you say, people may forget the direction that you give them. People may forget certain, you know, things that you've said to them, but a person will never, ever forget how you made them feel. Yeah. And if they are feeling vulnerable, if they are feeling scared, if they are feeling hopeless, and that lands at your doorstep and you say, come on in, let's have a cup of coffee. Oh
0: my God. That, that yeah. will mean
1: the world to somebody. The intention is not to fix it.
0: Yeah, the intention
1: yeah. is just to show up and give
0: them the space, and them the space. to share I've, and don't fill the absolutely. space right?
1: i've had the pleasure the, and I say this from the bottom of my heart of working on many reservations in, around, uh, around the city of Edmonton and in Alberta. And I've worked with many elders and um, Indigenous people really make an art form out of this. It's mm. magic watching them work um, uh, and sitting in silence. They really mastered the art of yeah. sitting in silence. And I had an elder very early in my career tell me, he said, Janan, I want you to remember something. Silence speaks volumes. If you sit and listen and sit in uncomfortable silence, You'll learn more about that person than you ever will in their words, mm. and so sometimes we need to close our ears or our cl- close, close our, our mouths. mouths. Pardon me, and <laughs> yeah. open our ears and just let a person just be. Yeah. We also need to recognize that some people need time to process. Yeah, right. Um, I know for me, I need that time to really sit within myself and say, "Okay, what am I feeling right now, and why am I feeling this way, and what does this mean?" Not everybody, you know, yeah. can be
0: quick like that. So, and showing some people up, just need like need to process things out yeah, loud like i know yeah. i'm one of those people where it's just like talking about it yeah. um i i process things out loud yeah. so just even having the space to share with to, someone to say that. here's without what's come, without yeah. feeling like people
1: have to fix it your job is not to fix the problem yeah your job is to show up and be an ear to be a friend Fixing it, that's where appropriate professional supports come in place, right? Yeah. If they need to talk to their family doctor, if they need medication, if they need a psychiatrist, whatever. I'm just grasping at examples yeah, yeah, yeah. here, right? But we, we feel this, this need that we have to fix the problem. And once we remove that need, it really gives us the space for us as helpers just to recognize that all we have to do is to show up show up and speak to what we see and let them know that you are a safe place for them to land.
0: Can I also touch on one other thing? And and I just speak to my own experience, right? Like I, the other thing that I notice and I've noticed with just examples with myself, right? Because over the years, as I've gotten better at sharing, Mm -hmm. um, I'm also mindful of who I share with. And the other thing that, because there's two things that happen. We either don't, like we don't give the, more often than not, people Mm -hmm. don't give you the space to share. Only because they don't know how to. Yeah. And second of all, being dismissive. Because mm-hmm. the other thing that I see is that, you know, if somebody is feeling something, right, mm-hmm. whatever whatever it is, right, and they're like, even right now, it's like, oh, things are going to get b-. You know, people... Yeah. I see this a lot where they immediately go into cheerleading mode and positivity mode. And it's well-intentioned Janan. However, what that does is it become, it dismisses the issue and it makes, yeah. Yeah. And it makes going back to like, it's not okay. It's okay to not be okay. It's almost like inadvertently what it does is tell the person like, you know, you shouldn't feel this way. Like things are going to get better. You know, he was blah, 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 like whatever it is. And, and I've been guilty. of So I, I just mm-hmm. want to share, yeah. I am not someone where I, I speak from a place like I know in the past I've mm-hmm. been guilty of this. I'm much better at catching myself now where I used to have the tendency to go into cheerleading mm-hmm. mode immediately, mm-hmm. where once again, with the intention of just wanting to make the person feel better. What I started to realize is when I was on the other side and I was the one seeking, you know, yeah. counsel and, you know, not struggling in silence. Um, Immediately, the cheerleaders were the ones I never talked to again. I was like, "Okay, no," because it almost felt like, and it almost felt like they were being dismissive. Like in a way, they were. It was telling me, "It's not, you know, it's not okay to not be okay." Right. Whereas, if you just, I remember one friend to me, like same breakup, Mm -hmm. right, that I was talking about, like years and years ago, and I had called her. uh, She was in England at the time. I called her. We were talking on the phone, and I was like crying and everything and it was just the, she's like honey I don't know what to tell you she's like yeah. it sucks it just yeah. really really sucks and I felt so liberated yeah. in her saying that it yeah. was like she wasn't you know I'm like yeah she's like yeah it sucks yeah. and it really sucks and it's yeah, gonna suck for a while yeah, yeah. and it was the first person who just even acknowledged my yes. you know versus like oh you're gonna be you know Yes. and I don't I just you know like I said I pay attention to my own experiences but I'd also say we do have even now, like with coronavirus Mm -hmm. and as people are anxious and as people are worried and there's fear, everyone's immediately going into like, you know, positivity mode. And not to say that there isn't a time and place for that, but more often than not, if people are reaching out the first couple of times, just give them the space to share. Like there is going to be a time and place where you want to be a source of positivity and a source of hope but i just feel like if you do it too and correct me if i'm yeah. wrong if you do it too soon it ends up becoming dismissive right yeah. well, uh, there's a couple things i want to say i, I, I want to say to that
1: cuz listen and with all due respect to cheerleaders right w- w- sometimes we need a good cheerleader yeah, yeah. right um, but it goes and back i'm a recovering to, yeah. <laughs> cheerleader so i i'm, not, I'm yeah. not
0: talking to the people out there i yeah. used to be like listen,
1: it, we've all been cheerleaders at some point in our lives too right and we've all yeah. had cheerleaders
0: in and our lives and the corners. funny thing is i stopped being a cheerleader yeah. when i found myself on the other side, side and it. realizing yeah. what i yeah. absolutely don't want yeah. to be to start yes. with is the cheerleader. so here's here's the
1: thing essentially what happens with cheerleaders right yeah. and it goes back to when you know better you do better yes. right? uh the intention is there the intention to put a 100%. smile on your face and make you better right but the the problem with cheerleading especially when that's not what your need is at that yeah. time is that number one, it's superficial. Yeah. And number two, yes. it, it addresses the the mechanics of what happened versus how you're actually feeling about what happened. And this mm. is where empathy comes into play, right? I have a breakup with my boyfriend, let's yeah. say, and you know, you're talking to your friend and the response is girl, he said what to you? <laughs> and then you said, whoo, And then what happened? And then you threw him out, right? And then, so we fixate on the ABCs of what happened, right? And the cheerleader's response is, you know what? You can do way better than him. You don't need him. You know, you're gorgeous. You can do so much better, right? And we focus on the mechanics of what happened. Whereas when we respond with empathy, what actually happened does not take precedence over how that event made you feel. So when he said that to you, how did you feel? Well, I felt dismissed. I felt like he doesn't appreciate me. And that's what we're speaking to. Yeah. That must really suck. I'm so sorry you had to yeah. experience that. I want you to know that I think that you're amazing. And I think you are the most compassionate person that I know. Yeah. Right? So we're, we're speaking more to how that experience made you feel versus right? The ABC mechanics of it all. Or just
0: in the moment. Mm-hmm. Like I had a, you know, um, I had a friend, close friends where, and I remember they shared the story, their brother passed away, Yeah, Aww. you know, in his early 30s, um, unexpectedly. Mm. And, you know, I'm sorry to hear that. Yeah, this this was a couple of years ago. And even it was like, you know, people were, you know, in our communities, like immediately within, we you know, the first week to 10 yeah. days, everyone's coming to your house. And this was within like the first week of mourning. Right. And it's like, OK, this they just had somebody they absolutely love and adore pass away. And within oh, the first shit. week of, you know, people walk in and they're like. Everything happens for a reason, you know, is, God took yeah. him up with. And here they are grieving in the middle of like significant pain, you know, unbearable pain yeah. and people just be like, no, don't cry. You know, yeah. everything happens for a reason, yeah. you know, God took. And it's like, really? Like first same thing yeah. where it's just not giving you know, and yeah, everything yeah. does happen for a reason, but that I, has really, a t- I t- yeah. really
1: believe, though, that that in and it of itself is a taught skill. Right. Somebody at some point has given them good
0: advice. We, and you know, but you, we as, see that in our communities, yeah, right? Where time. it's like, give them the space. To, yes, yeah. there will come a point where it's like, but give, I mean, it's the first 10 yeah. days yeah. of yeah. them grieving. And like, let people be okay yeah. grieving. And whatever that grief looks yeah. like,
1: let them experience that. You know, we want to protect. And I yeah. see this a lot actually with children, yeah. right? Where we don't want our children to experience hurt. We don't want them to experience yeah. pain. We don't want them to experience all of that stuff. Well, if we don't allow them to experience it, how do we teach them then to manage it? Yeah, Because you aren't always going to be around. At yeah. some point in that child's life, they're going to experience heartbreak, hurt, frustration, pain. We need to teach our kids those life lessons yes. on how do we deal with those emotions when we are we ta-
0: nowhere are yeah. we taught. Like growing yeah. up, I was never taught where like, okay, you know what? You're going to have good times in life yeah. and you're going to have, you know, difficult times. Yeah. And it's like, you're not, you know. This is a
1: fundamental life yeah. skill, learning how to manage our emotions. And do you know where I see it the worst? Where? in men
0: oh absolutely in men oh I and it's feel, yes. taught at a
1: very very young age now i don't want to shout out i don't want to single anybody <laughs> out but um, it is ta- uh, just to yeah. share a quick story with you yeah. um I, uh, a male uh, acquaintance of mine has a young son yeah. and his young son is very very sensitive like yeah. you say good morning well, we all have yeah. friends yeah. who he's, have he's children four who are years yeah. old this little boy um cutest little thing you've ever seen but if you say good morning to him the wrong way He takes it very personally, Mm. right? Very, very sensitive. And his dad, he had done something and his dad was reprimanding him. Just, you know, saying, you know, you can't do that. And he, the boy started bawling.
0: Yeah.
1: Right. And his response to his son crying was, boys don't cry. You don't want people thinking that you're a, you know, you're a girl, stop crying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then so what inevitably he's teaching him is that you're not worthy of having these emotions. And it's not okay. Suppress them, suppress them, suppress them. And let me tell you something. If we do not allow our boys to experience emotion, what's going to happen is it will build and build and build and build to the point where they become adults. And it's going to manifest itself whether we like it or not. And it's either going to manifest manifest itself in addiction. It's going to manifest in in rage, It's going to manifest itself in poor choices in life, uh, in and out of institutions. IMEX corrections. I've seen this a hundred times, right? Where we see the result of that being these really unhealthy coping strategies. And one of the things that I always tell people is spoiler alert, Boys feel emotion Institute. just like girls yeah. do, right? Emotion is not a gender specific thing, yeah. right? But we don't allow our boys to feel it because, well, they're men and they should, you know, buck up and, and, you know, be a man, Yeah. but they're children, right? And what does that even mean to be a man, right? So we gotta really be careful with that glib advice. Yes.